0: you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yep. sending me a name a pronunciation guide.
1: Oh, uh, I know. And you know, only because it is like the weirdest. I, I realize that everyone thinks Anika is Anika, right? And Anika is Annika. I don't, like, Anika. I don't I get, think Anika I know is...
0: anyone that is anika to be fair anika? so i would be get influenced it. i'd be influenced if i knew somebody else by that name
1: yeah yeah so for some reason i get that more than anika um Al is hard you know like it's not like sanchez you know what I mean? like <laughs> it's it's a hard. hispanic name but it's not like one that people know it's not a common or whatever right, right. or whatever sort. you know and um and Denise you would think would be super simple but people say Dennis all the time so I don't know so I, I decided that I would help people out because so the like, Denise one have... was my
0: the Denise one was my favorite one when you wrote that I was like wait does she <laughs> really think I'd mispronounce that because the other ones I get that one I'm like that that one's not quite one that I would mispronounce <laughs> sometimes when you're a writer a character finds you walks into your life. Sometimes you get to meet that character's family and get acquainted with the dynamics that make their family a unit. And sometimes you come to love that family. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 496. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Anika Aldemoy-Denise, author of Planting Stories, The Life of Librarian and Storyteller Pora Belpré an exceptional picture book biography about one of perhaps the best-known librarians of our time or any. Anika also shares her Carmen series, including Starring Carmen and Lights, Camera, Carmen, featuring a tenacious, vibrant, creative force of a kid and the dynamics she brings to her loving family. Listeners, please welcome my guest, Anika Aldemoy-Denise, author of Planting Stories and Lights, Camera, Carmen.
1: My name is Anika Aldemoy-Denise. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the author of the recently released Planting Stories, The Life of Librarian and Storyteller Bura Belpré.
0: Yay. And I <laughs> am a fan of yours, Anika. I'm so glad we get to talk.
1: I'm so glad to be here.
0: My word, we have like so much to talk about too. So let's, Two. let's, let's try to cover as, as much ground as we can cover. I, <laughs> um, I want to back up a little bit before mm-hmm. planting stories to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, Carmen. Can, can we talk yeah. about Carmen a little? Oh, I love
1: Carmen, yes. Oh, I my word. God. My daughter <laughs>
0: loves Carmen. I love reading Carmen aloud. I love, let me also say it because she's not able to join us tonight, but I love Lorena's illustrations on Carmen. Oh. That book, these books, there's two of them, are just I mean, come on, they're gorgeous. They're the kind of book you want to rip out the pages and just like post on your wall. Do you know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yes. When I um, when we were looking at illustrators, um, my editor showed me Night Lights, which had, I yes. think, so <laughs> it was to have just come out. And I, it, her art was so vibrant and so dreamy. And I thought, yes, yes, I can tell. Like Carmen's personality is so big. It needed art that could like live on the page in that, magical way so yeah i love it, it. well we, me away. for those that
0: haven't met carmen yet do you mind introducing the books
1: sure so um there are two books um they're starring carmen and a follow-up lights camera carmen <laughs> <laughs> and um the character carmen is like whenever i when i meet readers who who enjoy the book they they usually say to me like oh I have a Carmen or, you know, I was a Carmen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and the truth is I was kind of a Carmen growing up. I loved the performing arts. I was, um, I grew up mostly as an only child. I have much, much younger siblings. Um, but when, from my mom and my dad, um, I'm the only child from that marriage. And so bulk of my childhood was me just kind of figuring out what to do and how to entertain myself. (laughs) And so a lot of what I did was I would put on shows and sometimes I had an audience and sometimes I didn't. Um, But I loved to like actually script the plays. And like, sometimes I would make my parents be in it. My poor parents, they were so patient. (laughs) I would be like, okay, now you play this part. And okay, can you, (laughs) can you move this furniture over here? You know? And so I was like that very, um, like I was the director, I, I played all the parts. You know, I was like this this one woman show, and so this idea for this character of this, you know, Carmen's big thing is that she's a, a one girl sensation, right? So, um, so I loved the idea of of a character that captured some of that that enthusiasm that I had, that probably was exhausting at times, but you know, also was a way before. You know, video games and cell phones, and I, I would I would have these. I was a latchkey kid too, so I would have these hours after school where I I would like put on plays for my dollies, you know. So um and then when I and my <clears throat> when I had kids, my middle daughter especially reminded me of of Carmen. So it all just came full circle with this character, and I knew I had to write her.
0: I love that you're describing Carmen too, and you're just like you know she's this kind of kid <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah like we all know that kid right you know who's a little bit um hey I, I never use. I don't like to use the word bossy for female characters no um but she's very she is very confident and she does have a little bit of trouble you know sharing that spotlight so, so, <laughs> so I, we,
0: yeah I also feel like this is sort of for those kids that love to create, that love to perform, I feel like this is a really common quality, that notion of I want to play this way. And those of you that are going to play with me, I want you to do it in this way. These are the rules of my play.
2: Mm-hmm. These are the
0: rules of, of how I, I want this <laughs> this this play to go. And I don't mean like a literal play, although that is exactly what Carmen's doing. But even just the, the way that you play, they sort of dictate. Uh, my daughter constantly is like, no, daddy, this is... This is the way you have to be, and yes. I think that that is just part of allowing me to be my best in her world, right? Mm-hmm. Now I know that that mm-hmm. sometimes can can become abrasive when my when my eight year old isn't having it anymore yeah,
1: <laughs> but she's like i i that I remember when my daughter was like i I did something wrong and and she said, like you have to leave right now. And I was like, really? I have to go? And she's like, you're just not doing it right. And like, she kicked me out. And I remember being like, okay. <laughs> so it's like that, you know. But yeah, they have an idea of, of this, of their their space and their, their idea and whatever in their imagination, you know. And, and they're allowed to be the directors in that situation, right?
0: Of course. And I also... Yeah love in that space where you're inviting the parents in, that Carmen's parents, uh, the way that Lorena has illustrated them, the way that they just appear page after page, the way this home appears, it's a home where all of that play and all that creating is welcome. Her art, her costumes, her sets are everywhere. And as you watch the parents, or what what caught my eye is as I watch the parents, there's never... A reaction that is I don't know annoyed or upset or tired they just yeah. even even on the page that <laughs> that um that we read later at dinner Carmen announces an encore <laughs> you wear us out Carita says Carmen's mom see sí, Carmenita we need a break from show business says Carmen's dad <laughs> but there's smiles on their faces yeah. it's not mm-hmm. it it's it's loving and I have to yeah. think that must be intentional.
1: Absolutely. The lovely thing about Carmen's parents is, well, and, and Lorena did such a good job of showing that in the artwork, but also, you know, as you, as you read through the story, you know, they're, they have moments where, yes, they're tired and maybe we could take a break, but they also, you know, Carmen's mother shows her that letter from Eduardo, you know, and says, well, this is, he's your biggest fan. Like they're, they completely support i mean they must support if she's basically taken over their living room and made it into a set right so they're they're absolutely lovingly supportive of Carmen's enthusiasm and and i love that you picked up on that too because i i love this family that's one of the reasons why i loved the portrayal in the text and also the way lorena you know showed it in the illustrations because it's it's like they have so much affection for her. And it really comes through. And, and bringing Eduardo in to have that, that
0: before the reminder, you know, it's, it's Carmen sitting in her room, looking at all, just the, the friends that are the animals, the costumes, the things surrounding her. She says, you know, the show must go on. She pretends her toys are the audience, but it's not the same without the applause, <laughs> but to have, to have her brother peeking in to allow to allow that invitation to come in. And also the, you know, I'm not going to spoil the end, but the cute ending of like, eh, you're still my little <laughs> brother. I'm still going to yeah. dictate. I'm still the captain I'm, of this ship, if you I'm will. I'm still
1: the captain of this ship. Yeah. She, she like forgives him, but then she's so still Carmen, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so
0: you had mentioned just a moment ago that, This is the way the family always was. And then when Lorena illustrated, it it was the way that they had to be. But you created this family. How was this the way that the the family always was when they when they walked into your subconscious? Did maybe Carmen appear first and they appeared next? Just how how did this family how was this
1: family discovered by you? Interestingly, um, Carmen definitely appeared first for all the reasons we, you know, talked about a little bit, me a little bit, my kids a little bit, all those children that, you know, that are exuberant and lovely and creative. Um, and as I was writing it, I wasn't sure, you know, I, I, it was much so much a character driven idea that I didn't have a story for her completely yet. And I knew she would be putting on a play, but, um, and I knew she'd have parents that had to kind of be patient. Um, but it was really the addition of of her younger brother of hermanito who kind of brought it all together, this idea that that he would be this lovely because he's really kind of he really is this adoring little brother that puts up with her, you know, in this oh, way totally. that i I love, and in a way <clears throat> that I've seen um like that dynamic with the littlest, you know, following my older daughter around and just having so much patience even when it's like can i have can i have your cookie and then she winds up eating the whole thing you know (laughs) like her, hers like doe-eyed innocence and trust and still loving her even though she ate the whole cookie um something about that dynamic was very dear to me you know and um when i added the character of eduardo it just felt like it all came together in the story and i knew what her journey was and i knew how how he would show her, you know, what sort of reveal her flaws a little bit. Um, and that would be the evolution of of Carmen in book one. So um, they kind of, and then mom and dad, you know, being a part of it in the end just all sort of came together. But I really feel like the little brother character was like when it gelled for me as, oh, a, yeah. as how it would, how it would be a satisfying book. It, it's you know? what
0: makes it because when you have a, a, a character that, that has a problem, doesn't have an audience, doesn't have, there's something that's frustrating to this character as much as them solving it themselves is important. I feel like what what really drives home that connection with readers is where they're able to solve their problem with someone else by by Mm -hmm. demonstrating, demonstrating that like, that they gain new insight, they gain new knowledge. And that she gets to do that with her brother. The sweetest, most lasting connection we hope in life is that of of our relationship to our siblings. And to give that to her was a really sweet thing. Really to give it to him was a sweet thing.
1: Yeah. And that moment that she recognizes is is her recognizing that he loves her, yeah. you know? And oh, that's, yeah. it's a really tender moment. I mean, it, the book is is big and there's these, you know, dance numbers and, and her personality is big, but it also has these lovely quieter moments. And and to me, that's what I love the most about the story.
0: Can I tell you the page that I can't stop staring at? There's yes. this, I mean, also <laughs> I can't stop thinking just about Carmen and the name choice because in my brain, all I can think of is the opera. Yes. And how perfectly suited it is. Her name has to be Carmen in my brain because of that connection. It, was it the same for you? Ah, I love yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: It's such a dramatic name. It's, it's also so... one of my favorite names. I, almost, I mean, like, I considered it as a name for our daughters. Yeah. <laughs> and I, a friend had just named their baby Carmen, so I couldn't take it. So but, good. <laughs> but, but it's a great name. And and I had a titi Carmen. So, you know, it just felt, mm. it. she just, it felt right. Sometimes characters just leap forward with their, they're already named and you sort of know a little bit even what they look like. And so when I saw Lorena's Carmen, I'm like, there she is. You know, it was great.
0: Well, the there are a number of performances by Carmen in the in the first book, in Starring Carmen, but mm-hmm. the illustration that I did, the, the spread, just the place that I can't ever escape in my brain is the page that reads, there are 17 songs in Carmen's musical <laughs> and 12 dance numbers and some karate. And I think <laughs> yes. that also really paints a great picture of who this kid is, but man, that illustration atop the, the, the tower with the hand pointing out commanding and these three like hydras in the water and yet as you Fabulous. look yeah as you look you can see that like no 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 that water that's that's underneath really is a blanket and it's tied to a fan lorena has done such a beautiful job of reminding us she's playing and she knows she is this is her set but this is how alive how vibrant how real this set how committed she is to bringing this set to life
1: absolutely like i love that when you at first glance you think it's a fantasy world right course, she has, and then you realize and then you realize no she's actually made this but it's it's as carmen would see it like we're almost inside carmen's head and outside it and I, yeah like that blew me away too i love that spread
0: okay so book two did you have this plan all along because i knew nothing about book two until i you know until i had it in my hands and then i was <laughs> like wait Going from a a, going from the stage to the silver screen, of course, obvious, amazing. But is this something that you had already like
1: thought of for Carmen? No. Come on, (laughs) it's so perfect, right? Didn't it? It's so perfect. Come on. (laughs) Um, I well, when um, when I did this series with Abrams, we knew it was going to be two books, and I may have had like a rough. I, I think I actually had the title in my head. Lights, camera, Carmen. Um, but I didn't really know the story. And I have no idea where the whole serial box oh, I'm so, <laughs> commercial yeah. idea came from. But I just knew that she'd have to go bigger. You know, like book two, she's got to do something that's, you know, I mean, the stage is pretty big. But, you know, what you, was she going to conquer next?
0: I'm going to I'm going to call you out. You go bigger in like <laughs> crushing this poor child too in the reality check of this poor child. If the first We're book's good. reality check was not getting an applause, this second one is like ooh, ouch. But I know. I'll, I'll I'll book talk this one. So you've got you've got Carmen um seize an opportunity to um be starring in film when her brother brings in this cereal box and she sees a chance to win by making a commercial and so she plans um the most elaborate amazing things because you need to get the attention of the what does it say the um the blah, 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 all you have to do to win the oh my destiny hold on i'm like flipping to find yeah the wording because i love <laughs> the way that it's it's you have to do something that um, show the world how you eat Dino Krispies, and she's like, "Oh, yeah. we're going, we're going big. What, yeah. what can yeah. we possibly do to show the world how I eat it?" Um, and so you make this disgusting like milkshake of <laughs> <stuff>, whatever. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Okay, that's one way. But she makes Dino Krispy smoothies. <laughs> smoothies. Oh my gosh, it's so gross. Oh, you even like had me at the beginning. I was like, "Oh wait, smoothies like milk cereal? I could totally yeah. get on board with this." No. No, no. Disgusting. Nope. Um, pickles. <laughs> oh, pickles. Oh, jeez. Also, I feel like, oh, pickles is like the greatest way to curse as a as a child. Definitely. Not that you ever say that in there, but I'm going to I'm going to keep that in mind. Oh,
1: pickles. pickles is a good one. And then I'll I'll steal this from my, a preschool teacher of one of my daughters. She used to say, oh, belugas. Oh, belugas. Oh, that's so good. Oh,
0: pickles. Oh, oh pickles. <laughs> This poor girl, again, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take away the, the, the surprise in this story, but to have, to have Carmen's ego checked, let's put it that way, Mm -hmm. to have Mm -hmm. Carmen's ego checked, but also at the same time to allow room for her brother, to allow room for her to react to her brother with love and compassion uh and you know to sort of like check her pride or ego was it it allowed that space i found for me mm-hmm. to just adore this girl even more like ah, oh, you were such a good kid what a good one yeah
1: and you know with again without totally spoiling it like um <clears throat> the wink at the end i won't say what it is but again she has to be carmen you know she has to be True oh. to herself. Oh yes. So so yeah, I have to throw that in there, you know. So, that's a little teaser. Oh, <laughs> make well, folks want to read the book.
0: The the notion of of coming up with a scheme to make the greatest commercial ever is just hilarious as it is. But um yeah. The way it follows. Oh, and I have to say something before we move beyond this book. Well, maybe two things. One, yeah. um, amazing under-the-jacket case covers on these. Oh. What a beautiful surprise. Aren't um, they great? It's something I think that more and more we're all sort of watching for um, because they're such a neat... Once you show students one or two books that have these beautiful case wraps... Um, now, remember, I'm in the library. So to picture this, it's not... You know, they can't just lift the flap. They have to, Right, take like... like
1: the plastic off. <laughs> oh, it's
0: the other way. They have to full-on, like, bend the spine backwards, which is always... Oh, yeah. Let me just... No, let me just... Gently I'll gently lean and you can just kinda of peek over like it's a tent. But um it's so cute. It's true. It's, it, it, it it she yeah. I don't know. She's just done she's just done a beautiful job. But the other thing I wanted to say, and this actually brings me back to a lunch bunch that I had today, and it wouldn't have been on my mind earlier, or rather, the other times I've read Carmen, it hasn't been on my mind and then suddenly today it was. And that is that Pardon me for going on a little bit of an aside. But so I was eating Lunch Bunch with these fifth graders today. These girls. I get to sit at the peanut free table because I also have allergies. So I sit with my girls every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them is talking about how she was reacting whatever way to her friend. But she's like, but it's cool. I'm a Scorpio. This is the way I'm supposed to act. And I was like, did you just <laughs> love Zodiac it. check me? Like, what just <laughs> happened here? And the other uh, friend was asking what sign she was and they it was adorable that i said well what's your birthday and both the girl that i was asking and her friend said her birthday uh, at the same time and i was like oh you know each other's birthdays that's so adorable um it turns out she's a libra which is great but um and then we were talking about compatibility signs mm-hmm. which is amazing but why i bring it up though is that as i'm thinking about carmen i'm thinking like this girl like She's kind of got the qualities of a Scorpio. She's got that yeah. that like taking the center stage and being a presence. She's got that quality. And in that I just felt like, man, there are just so many ways to see for a child to see themselves in a book, but also for us just to see to see our readers, to see our kids. And
1: definitely. You know, I, just I you know, grateful. it's funny that you say Scorpio because I I think I I, I can't even believe I, you know, it's when you don't even realize you thought about it, but in my mind she was either a Scorpio or a (laughs) Taurus because of the, maybe the, some of the bullishness, you know, but also Taurus sign is very, usually very creative. And I think there's like this little bit of um, my dad was a Taurus. So I always, I think about, I think I infuse my characters with a little piece of all the people I know, you know, especially ones about family and, in this one, it was, it felt so, so intimate and so personal. And so based on what I grew up with, um, that I love, I love hearing that, like you had this experience of like, Oh, she could be a, she could be a Scorpio. And I'm like, Oh no, she's a Taurus. (laughs) It's the
0: funniest thing that, that, I mean, I've read your books to my kids. Like I've read them for many, many times. And yet one lunch bunch made me rethink, not rethink the entire thing, but made me see the book. And yet, you know, one, one more, different light one more different oh it's got to be a different light because we're talking about production here carmen yeah so yeah. we can do one more yes i saw carmen <laughs> once horrible. again in another light another gel yeah. um <laughs> oh, so good
1: yeah yeah and I, I i do really love um like the environment that carmen is, is in the look of the way that lorena portrayed even just there, I, I see it as an apartment for some reason. I don't, mm. it's a house probably looking at that one where she's looking out the window. But um, in my mind, like with all all of the color and like hanging baskets of fruit and like you can tell this is a creative family just by where they live and what it looks like. And maybe that has something to do with the fact that their her parents are so patient with all her productions, you know. Oh, so yeah. the rules of Carmen to me is very... It's just very lush and appealing, you know. Oh, oh, sure,
0: <laughs> I mean the textiles that her <laughs> mom wears, the um, designs on the pottery, on the china, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all these little nods. I also thought, you know, you talk about being perhaps in an apartment or something. Um, something that caught my eye, which is just like uh, house layout 101 or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was that like they're in the kitchen, but the laundry, the washing machine is right beside, uh, you know, it's just like opposite the oven. And I was like, yeah. Hey. Huh, that's a different place and than actually, I've seen it before. And
1: I, actually, I think that is like a cultural thing. Um, oh, really? I've seen that, yes. Yeah, I I would love to actually, that's a good question to ask Lorena because like I've seen that in houses and I wonder if she's Colombian. So I wonder if that's like um, something, there's something to that, but. Um, oh. I, yeah, yeah, so. That's a cool
0: detail then. It's, I mean, cool obviously detail, it was right? intentional, but to think <laughs> that it's intentional, like intentional cultural, not intentional yeah spatial or whatever is really that's a cool thing to think about
1: yeah yeah so um, and and um lorena has talked about that the the fun of of creating um carmen's world and bringing things from her childhood and how she grew up and what her environments looked like and she's and and how her environments look now she talked about loving pattern and color i imagine that i've never see, seen lorena's house but i imagine that it has you know lots of color and textures and all the things that we love about her artwork
2: mm. that
1: is part of her world so so it's yeah. just that's that's the that's the amazing thing when you are not an author who illustrates you know sometimes you wish it would come through your hand in that way because you have big ideas and I could never be an illustrator of books, but I I have the visual um, appreciation and I think visually, but it just doesn't come through my hand in the way that it does with other illustrators. But the joy of not having that and then opening up an email from your editor and seeing those sketches or full color pieces for the first time, there's, there's something so unique and special about that having a world that you essentially conjured you know and seeing it brought to life visually is i mean it's the closest thing to magic you know that i've ever experienced honestly
0: and you at the same time though must give yourself credit because you save that space and you inspired that space by by creating carmen and so i feel like it's only natural i mean what maybe what i'm trying to say is the the reason why the book works or the books work so well is because they're believable that really yeah. looks like the place that a kid like this mm-hmm. would live in the family that would nurture and raise a child like her and so that's both of you but right there that's that's that big magic right Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each month, they send one to two books featuring characters of underrepresented backgrounds. And Little Feminist spends months consulting with a team of educators, librarians, and parents to pick each book and create a suite of hands-on activities to accompany them. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at com slash podcast and get started today. Raise good humans one children's book at a time. You want to talk a little bit about planting stories?
1: Sure. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Let's um, get into Porto Belpray and this amazing yeah. life of hers.
1: Yes, this was, um you know, I feel like, you know, in some ways it's it, just to tie the two together. Like, Working on Carmen, Carmen was my um, first book with a uh, Latinx character, and um, I had always wanted to write one. Um, Carmen had been kind of dancing around in my head for a, a really long time, but um, this was the first one that I sold, you know? Mm. Um, I, I mean, I'd written lots, but this was, this was the first one that connected, and I just felt like it was the perfect um, next step to do a nonfiction picture book about uh, a hero of mine. Mm. Um, So in many ways, I'm grateful to the Carmen series for like opening up that space for me, you know? Um, A lot of people just seeing my name, I I, I went by Denise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from my first books, because they were with my husband, you know, we went, we marketed ourselves as a team and, and some people said, Oh, I, I didn't even know you were Puerto Rican. You know? And I'm like, Oh yes. <laughs> you know? So, so I love that my, yeah, <laughs> the Denise thing, it throws them. But, um, but I, I love that those books kind of um, allowed me to, to feel the confidence I needed to be able to tell Huda's story because, you know, she is, a force and so beloved in the library community, in the Latinx community, in the New York community, you know, she is like, you know, a daughter of, of New York city really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it was, I felt this enormous responsibility, but also this enormous excitement about being able to do a big sort of splashy picture book biography about this woman. You know, I, I, um first got the idea for the book. Well, let me back up. Um I knew Bura Belpre's stories through my DD who, you know, everybody has a book auntie <laughs> like a book the oh. one who like buys, you You know, and I would get you the books at your birthday party. And she was the first one to say to me, You have to have a library card. Yeah, um that's great. You know, that so so she um she went to Hunter College. Pura Belpré is her favorite author. Um, she, her my my great grandmother um, came from Puerto Rico the same year that Pura did. She was also um, studying to be a school teacher. She was a, a rural school teacher in Puerto Rico and came to New York to continue her studies. So there were all these parallels, right? Um, and the interesting thing is, like, I didn't really. Put together um, these stories that I had heard with this woman that the medal is named after. It wasn't until like I started writing books that I finally figured out that that was the same person. Because as a child, these were just stories, the oral tradition that Perez y Martina, you know, just stories that that were around and that you knew. And then suddenly it was like it all kind of clicked. <laughs> like oh yeah okay of course I know who that is and of course she's amazing and of you know but I knew her as like the author of books and not even like I just knew her stories do you mm-hmm. know what I mean like even, yeah. I, and I think like more common and I think that's actually okay like I as a kid I'm just connected to the story I don't always or I didn't always as a child like think about the author. I didn't want to think about the author. I just wanted to live in that space of the story. You know, <laughs> of course. I, I wonder if it's like a more modern thing with kids now <clears throat> that they get authors and, you know, librarians like you do such a good job of talking about not just the story, but the person who created it, you know, kids have more context for that. now. And there's access
0: and, too. kids have more access. Yeah. yeah.
1: And- Which is amazing and
0: wonderful. <clears throat> but that's not to say, I think if we, if we were to sit down um, with any child, um, and just ask them who their favorite authors are, the ones that they really remember the names just tend to be names that are just talked about over and over and over. But naming a favorite book, I feel like, comes a lot easier, and that's because of yes. story, isn't
1: it? It is, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I guess maybe working on this book made me think about that mm-hmm. more than ever. And, um, and so I, I had this moment where I, I had. I was in New York City with a friend and there was um, this incredible show at the main branch of the New York Public Library called The ABC of It, Why Children's Books Matter. And it had, you know, original manuscripts of um, um, Pura Belpré's original manuscripts, but it had tons of classic Kids lit. It had a display where you walked in, you could walk through the set essentially of Goodnight Moon. Yeah. Um, do you, I don't know if you have heard I'm, anything about I'm, that I'm not even going
0: to lie. Yeah. I went to it.
2: You went to it. Good. I went okay. to
0: it when Betsy Bird was doing a panel of children's book podcasters, and there weren't many of us. So he, she invited a couple of us up to do a panel there at New York Public Library when she was working there. And she said, Oh, but mm-hmm. before we go, we need to walk, you need to co see this. It was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, I I remember
1: it. Remember it well. You know, I had the original manuscript of like Alice in Wonderland, and yeah. it, I mean, everything was just. It, it felt like, like the best exhibition of its kind I had ever seen. Mm. And, um, I turned a corner, and there was this. And you'll remember this if you saw the exhibition. There was, this huge, photo on the wall, of Pura Belpré, and she was, you know. I think she was in a church doing storytelling and she's in this black gown kind of thing and her hands are moving. And I, maybe it was the scale. I don't know. Something I found so striking. i would seen the photograph of her, but seeing it there blown up to such a big scale, I just stood there and felt like so incredibly proud, you know? And, And it's interesting because, you know, like I had, I, I, I never saw Buddha speak, you know, I was too young to have seen that. And, um, I just felt this incredible connection, you know, and, and, um, she's, I say this a lot and I I don't know if it ever, it always comes off the right way, but, You know, there's a recognition when someone looks like you, you know, and looks like your family, you know, like she she looks so much like my titties, my titi Lydia, my titi Gloria, my titi Rosie, you know, I was like my great grandmother Elisa, like I just, and I've, I've felt that before, but you know, anytime I'm, I'm with other people who have Puerto Rican heritage, you know, you just, there's just like this unsaid recognition um and i had been working telling doing the local story hours at my bookstore you know and i was all of a sudden just was like oh i'm a storyteller too i tell stories for a living you know and it it was i don't it was a very moving and emotional moment and it was then and there that I was like, I would love to do a book about her, you know? And, and I, I thought, Oh, can I do a book about her? (laughs) You know, like, am I allowed to do a book about her? I know that sounds crazy, but it was like, you know, she's, she, she, again, she's so important to so many people. I just, I thought like, am I the one to tell this story? You know? And, and that's a topic that, you know, comes up a lot. And then it, and I, I was like, Yes, I'm absolutely the one to tell this story you know um going back into her life and and learning more about her journey really just kind of brought that home to me that there were so many parallels between my family and and I think it's there's a there's a universe like, like um a universal story in a way like I'm sure many so many families there was this influx of Um, Puerto Rican immigrants coming in at that time between 1920 and 1970, you know, of course there's going to be a common thread um, and people saying, yes, that's just like my grandmother. And yes, that's just like my abuelita. And, you know, yes, I recognize this story, but um, I felt like I loved discovering, discovering Pura was like discovering my own family, you know? Um, And so the research part of this was was super rewarding and um illuminating and i as a result i discovered you know other writers writing about her scholars um you know the bell Prize scholars there's um a wonderful biography written about her by lisa sanchez gonzalez called the stories i read to the children and um it, it not only does it have um talk a lot about you know Buddha's time at the library, but it has, it's probably the one place where you can find many of her essays and her published works all in one place. So, you know, going back and just being able to dig in and and read some of her papers, even the unpublished stuff was, I've never had so much fun (laughs) working on a book. I never realized I loved research as much as I did. Um, So for me, this whole book was like a journey of self-discovery and a journey of discovering Buddha.
0: Well, I have to say that <clears throat> I I was really impressed um engaged with how how you told Pora's story. I felt like you you allowed the text not only to be sparse but to be storytelling. And I feel like as I'm saying that I'm betraying other biographers. I'm betraying other people that write picture book biographies, but I feel like it takes a great amount of restraint to know what details to share and what to withhold, knowing that you only get this one shot. It's not like a five picture book series chronicling the life <laughs> of of this individual. And yet I felt like you had such a beautiful balance between your text and and the author's note in the back. And it allowed for the art to really take hold and to have a presence on the page. Sometimes I feel uh, picture book biographies are are noticeably text-driven and it sort of makes the art to be a, a, an accompaniment but the story to be the main focus and here again, I feel like you really allowed that treatment of treating this storytelling format. That is the picture book, like what it is allowing the pictures to also tell her story. Mm -hmm. And it just, I really, I mean, I'm telling you, I really was moved by how beautiful this book was. It, It, I, I mean, this is a, this is an individual who I did not know much about, and that's, I have an awful lot of ignorances in my own life, and I'm working to correct that, but to have a picture book be an invitation to start learning and to have the resources in the end to welcome further reading and further learning, but to have the book be such a love letter, I just, I was really moved by your work. I think I'm oh,
1: thank you. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned the back matter because that was something that was really important to me. I'm not the first person to write about Gura Belpre. Obviously, I just mentioned her um, adult the biography for adults. But, um, you know, there's the wonderful The Storyteller's Candle um, by Lucia Gonzalez. And, you know, that book, again, I it the best thing that can happen as a result of this book to me is for people to take out more books about Pura for her folk tales to be read again, or maybe even republished. You know, my dream is that to see them back in print. Um, so I feel like there should be as many books about Pura Belpre as you know, there are about male white male, um, figures in history, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel, I feel like that was really important to me to, to celebrate her, not just with the text of her, of telling her story, but also invite, I like the way you said, invite people to learn more because I I mean, it was a journey. I, as I said, it was a journey of discovery for me. I knew about, I knew that she was an author. I knew some of her stories, I knew there was a medal named after her, but to really dig in and appreciate her contributions in in so many ways, you know, as a librarian, as an incredible storyteller and an incredible puppeteer, like the things she did in puppeteering were actually really um, ahead of her time, you know, this whole idea of the mobile puppet theater. Um, She was one of the first people to do that. And for her, it was convenient because she would take her show on the road literally and go to all the boroughs and perform these storytelling performances. And um, she needed something that was portable. So, you know, that was, that was breakthrough and, and amazing. Um, So her contributions are so many different ways in which she gave us so many gifts. Um, And, and I loved discovering all of that. You know, it does, as you speak, It does
0: make me really aware of of my role as a librarian. And I say this, I don't often address the audience this way, but it does make me think about the way that more books about Pura Belpre enter our world is not just folks like you writing them, but it's also folks like me working in libraries buying those books and championing those books and getting those books into children's hands and into story times that that's also an essential part of the process. So, uh, so as I'm hearing you, I, I'm reminded of that responsibility and I'm grateful that, well, just to be frank that you make it easy. You've got a gorgeous book here. How are we not (laughs) going to talk about this book? Come on now.
1: I, I I mean, it, you know and also i feel like i haven't mentioned it and i should because Paula's art is just its to me it was just so perfect like she she hit on this um really incredible balance of making it accessible to children it's very kid friendly art but also like up to the level of sophistication of pura you know pura was such an elegant woman and she was a very snappy dresser, and all the pictures you see her, she was so lovely. And um, I, I just feel like she got it, you know, in such a way that she she built Puda's world in a way that adults, you know, want to pour over and kids too. And and that's so not easy. Like she makes it look so easy, you know. See, but that's that's so. another thing. I that is a connection to Carmen that uh,
0: that should be drawn attention to. Paula has has dressed for a page after page in a different ensemble. Beautiful patterns, beautiful textiles. Again, it's very clear that she studied those photographs. She studied this woman and her elegance. And the, the book itself is just it's like classy. It's nice. Yeah. It's sharp. It's refined. Do you know? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the colors, even the color wash over it, it just sort of has this almost a golden color wash. It's these beautiful brown tones and the, the, the flowers and the, and, and, and the sky and everything just has like a nice yellow and orange hue to it that just, that, that almost nods to, this is an older story it's almost a nod to like a sepia tone but it's Mm -hmm. also a a color palette that pulls everything together everything is is just so almost as if it's a photograph that everything just fits as part of as as part of one illustration part of one composition it's beautiful i mean beautifully beautifully crafted work
1: it is it's like a book you just want to hold and hold in your hands you know like it, it 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 works on that level too as just a, a beautiful artifact in and of itself. And I love books like that, you know, the paper, the colors, everything about it. Yeah. I'm I super the, proud of this yeah. book. <laughs> I love that.
0: I love that. I can read your text and still I may need to wait to turn the page because I can tell that readers are trying to lean in and see more especially Mm -hmm. when they see martina
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that little cockroach and that mouse like on the end Do the end papers papers. everyone says to me the end papers they want this as their wallpaper i'm like me too it's it's just so cute oh my goodness yeah yeah i want that as wallpaper for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh
0: it's it's a beautifully designed book and i i'm grateful to have talked about three beautiful books with you tonight, and I hope many, many more for your future. But for all that we've been talking about them, I want to first say thank you. Thanks for this space, for talking about stories and children and uh, boisterous (laughs) show-performing children, as well as the children that were witnessing magic through story time and through the presence of someone who loved them and saw them and could lead them through story. Thanks for all of that, Anika. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure.
0: So before we go, um, I'll take (laughs) us back to those children that I know, you know, I love and adore Uh, and it brings me the greatest pleasure to always come back to them. So I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning Is there a message that I can bring to them from you?
1: So when I was thinking about this question, because I know you ask it to your guests. um, I stumbled upon this quote of Buddha's. And if you would just allow me to read it very quickly, because it's sort of as a segue into my answer. Of course. (laughs) Buddha says, in this present struggle to fight poverty, hunger, and fear, and to bring some semblance of peace and security into the home. The need for serenity and beauty seem to be forgotten. Food alone can't do it. It needs an elevation of spirit that transcends all materialities. This serenity, this beauty, is apparent in the faces of the children in the story hour room. For a little while at least, through the power of a story And the beauty of its language, the child escapes to a world of his own. He leaves the room richer than when he entered it. And of course, this was written a while ago, so we're going to say she would probably now say he or she leaves the room richer than when he or she entered it. So I don't want to leave anyone out with that quote, but um, that felt so spot on to me and what the message that I would say to your kids is is that that story is this wonderful beautiful place and that they can connect through it it's not just a book you know it's not just you read it and you put it aside it stories are a point of connection look i would say look at the connections that learning pura story gave me it gave me connections to my family, my history, and to um, the confidence to be able to go forth and tell more stories like this one. So there's so much power in that. And I loved what she said about beauty, you know, and I think that wherever you seek or find your beauty in your stories, that's whether it's in a graphic novel or a picture book, or a nonfiction um, middle grade. I, I, however, you children connect, story is so is such a point of connection and beauty. And I would just underscore that for them. And you do that every day, but just from someone on the creator side. Um, to encourage them to continue to explore that beauty through story.
2: This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlin. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.
0: Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep
2: fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtime's a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's KOKO Sleep and I'll see you there.